sovereign over us. You know, today's Veterans Day, and, and um, I just want to ask, if you uh, served in uh, the Army, would you stand right where you are? If you served, if you served in it. You guys, you guys stay standing. If you served in, is any, are any Coast Guard guys here? Anybody in the Coast Guard? No, stay standing, you guys, if you, in the Army. If you're in the Marines, stand up. Marine guys. That's right. What about Air Force? Air Force guys. Where are you, you guys? All right. What about Navy? You Navy guys here? Thanks, man. Thanks. You know what I thank you guys for serving our country. Thank you all for serving our country. Guys and ladies. Um, you know, um, I'm grateful for our city. Uh, Friday, I went to a, a veterans assembly. My wife uh, is a music teacher at Barnes, and I love it that our, our schools are teaching uh, our students what you guys did for us. Thank you. Let's pr- I want to pray for you. Can I do that? Lord, I, I want to stop and thank you this morning for these men and women who served our country. I thank you for letting us live here in the United States, and I pray that we would be faithful because you've given us so much, and to much, to much is given, much is required, and I want to thank you for these men and women who've sacrificed to keep our country uh, safe and serve, our, 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 serve all of us, and thank you that we get to worship today with freedom, and, and I thank you for these servants. Bless our nation and use us in this place in the days ahead because, Lord, the church needs to step up in our nation. Help us be one of them that does. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. You all may be seated. You know, um, uh, we're, in, we're in Acts chapter 20 today. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there. And, and uh, over the last several months, we've been kind of tracking through the book of Acts. And, and Acts 20 has become, honestly, just an... Uh, it's been so moving as I've studied this, this chapter. And, and this, this week, we're beginning the first of two messages uh, in this, this chapter, in Acts 20. And, and it's, an, I think, a very important chapter for us. And, and, um, and you know, it's interesting, as, as Acts 20 begins, you see um, Paul had just finished his third missionary journey. Uh, to the city of Ephesus, and he spent over three years there, around three years in the city of Ephesus, and it was just an incredible thing that took place. God just did some incredible things through him, and, and, um, and now Paul had left, and he'd gone to Macedonia. And it's important to understand what he was doing. He had, because you see in the first part of Acts 20, he's on his way, uh, and there's a group of people with him. And what Paul was doing was taking up an offering for the churches. And, 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 and so he was, these men had gone with him kind of as representatives of, of these churches that had given money. And I think that's important because Paul was, was taking up these, this money and he was faithful to make sure that he was a steward of it and, and that, that he didn't want any um, 
you know, questions about his practices. So he takes these guys, and, and they're on their way. And, and it's interesting. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here in the first part of Acts 20, but there's something I want to mention. Because um, in, you see that, that, that he's, he meets a guy. There, there's an experience uh, with this guy in Troas that, that was really interesting. It's a guy named Eutychus. And here's what I believe. I think we're going to be in heaven and we're going to know one another. Heaven is not some, we're going to be hanging out in clouds and there's going to be mystical things. Heaven is a real place and we're going to see one another. I believe we're going to recognize one another. And I can imagine us go, going through heaven someday. I can't wait for the day that I'm hanging out in heaven and I, I meet Eutychus. Because I'm going to go, hey, I, I mean, Eutychus is going to go, I know, I know, I know. I'm the guy all through eternity who is known for falling asleep in church, right? I mean, Eutychus is this guy, verse, verse 7, look at this. Um, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. He prolonged his speech till midnight, and there were lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting in the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. So this is biblical justification for why I preach long sermons, right? Okay, so, um, you know, we have a group from OBU here. Cheryl has told me that I need to embarrass you guys. Where's the Spoo kid? Uh, man, your dad, his dad's the pastor at First Baptist Tulsa. He's one of the greatest preachers in Tulsa. No, I don't want you to go there. I want you to stay here. But, but he is a great preacher. And he, I'm so jealous of him because he is so direct to the point. I mean, he preaches really short, and he says a lot in a little amount of time. I have biblical justification for dragging it on and on right here. Um, but, but it's interesting Look at this. Uh, he taught, Paul talked a long time. It's late at night. And being overcome by sleep, Eutychus fell from the third story and was taken up dead. Now, this is one of those days that you were like, I'm so glad I came to church. These people were pumped because this, was a, this is a great moment to come to church. Eutychus falls out the window three stories up during Paul's sermon. That's awesome. Uh, uh, it shows that basically it's dangerous to fall asleep in church. And I see you. I see you dozing up. It's dangerous to fall asleep. He fell out the window. And, um, but what does Paul do? What does Paul do? He, he, but Paul, verse 10, went down, bent down and bent over him and taking, up, up, taking him up into his arms, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. Now this is, so, so what does Paul do? He falls out of, out of the window, dives, and Paul goes and raises him to life. Now, this is one of those points in Scripture that are descriptive, not prescriptive. So if you fall asleep in church, fall out of your chair and die, there is no apostle going to rescue you. So stay awake. That's important. Um, that's a biblical justification, so we're not going to camp out, out here. But I do want to get to verse 17. Because in verse 17, this resonates with me. Because what you see in verse 17, Paul comes to Miletus. He leaves Eutychus. In, and, and this was incredible. I want you to, to, to look, verse, verse 12, before we move on from Eutychus. And they took the youth alive, and they were not a little comforted. This was an amazing moment that Paul did. It, it was a miracle that happened in their midst. And, and, and you know... 
Then Paul goes to Miletus, and here's what he does. And this is very important for us today. Paul calls the elders of Miletus to meet with him. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. And and there's something in Paul's heart that he knows when I go to Jerusalem, it's going to be dangerous. I love that song we just sang. That song we just sang tells us God is faithful. God is sovereign. God is with us in the fire and the flood. And see, Paul knows I'm about to walk into the fire. I can't escape it. And he, he believes, rightly so, that he is about to give his life for his faith. And so what he does, he calls the elders together and says, I got to talk to you. Now, have you ever been a part of a conversation that you knew these are the last words I'm going to say to this person? You know, there's a lady in our church, uh, Maybell Reed. She passed away this week. And uh, today, from one to three, is a viewing for her at Baptist Village. She was about, I don't know, four foot five. She was little. Um, but she was a giant in our church. And, and, and you know, when this, this year, we were on vacation in Florida, and, and, and we had gotten word that Maybell was really sick, and the doctors had just given her really just hours to live. And so we were hustling back to to Owasso, and, and we get back around 8 o'clock at night. Uh, Robin and I didn't even unpack the car. We drive right over to Baptist Village because we had to see Maybell. And I was praying the whole time, Lord, please help her. I, I got to see her. I got to see her one more time. Please let me see her one more time. And um, the doctors had said she, she has hours. Her family was coming in and, and all these things. And, and, um, and I get there to her room, and I walk in, and Maybell looks great. And I'm like, Hey, how you doing? I'm expecting her to not be able to talk, and she's like, oh, I'm doing great. What are you doing, Chris? I can't believe what are you doing? How's it going? And, um, and, and though I thought she had hours uh, in August, she went to be with the Lord this week. But, but you know what? That was a moment that I got to, Robin and I got to look at Maybell. And say, Mabel, I just got to tell you some things. Because I thought those were my last words. This is one of my journals that I'm working on. My, I have three of these. This is my son's. And I'm, I'm, I'm gradually just filling this up with words that I want him to know. And, and it's in my own handwriting. It's a little messy and it's a little bit, you know, I got scratches in it and marks, marking things out and things like that. But I've thought about if these are things that I want him to know after I'm gone. I want us to understand this moment that Paul is experiencing with these leaders at Ephesus. This is a moment that Paul is saying, you've got to know this. These are his last words to these leaders. Now what we're going to do this week is, is we're going to look at the the first part of his message. And then next week, we're going to look at the warning he gives to these leaders. Would you stand with me? And let's read this text today. We're going to start in verse 17. We're going to go through 27 today. 
And I want us to hear what Paul, these last words that Paul was saying to these leaders. Now, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish the course and the ministry that I received from the Lord to testify to the gospel of, gra- of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now, I want us to see this. I want us to catch this. Because these are the last words of Paul to his leaders. Now, in this passage, you see Paul, he, he reviews his past. He, he, he points to the example that he lived. And then he, then he, he looks at, looked at his circumstances, what, what God had brought him through, that God had brought him through fire and the flood, that God's been faithful. But, but I want us to see verse 17. Look at this. Now, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. The, the, this is the, the, the leaders of the congregation. These are the people that... that that are, that are making ministry happen, that are, that are leading the way in that group. And, and he loved the people at Ephesus. He, they, they had a very important uh, place in his heart because he had spent three years with them. And, 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 and I want us to see what he says. Point number one, if you're following along in your notes, it's this. Paul is, these last words to, to this church, he's saying, trust the Lord in all circumstances. And you know that I, I believe this is something we need to understand? That, that we as believers in Christ must grow to the point in our walk with the Lord where we trust the Lord in all circumstances. You know, um, there, there are times we will face difficulties. And it's my prayer that as we have walked through the book of Acts, that that we recognize that tough times are a normal part of life. Jesus has prepared us for this. Jesus has pointed us to the fact that that in the world we will have trouble. And it's it's it's, it's a spiritually immature idea to recognize that that when you follow Jesus, it's always going to produce health, wealth, and prosperity. Because following Jesus is sometimes a path that is very difficult. 
And though right now I look at the life of our church and we are at a, at a strong place, we are at a, in a good spot, but, but we often forget that we are in a spiritual battle. And one of the things that Paul is doing is he gets these believers and says, look, this is what I want you to know. Trust the Lord in all circumstances. Now, there's several things we see Paul saying. Verse 18, he says to them, and when they came to him, he said, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time. From the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. And if you've been with us as we've walked through the book of Acts, we've seen how he was stoned, and they were coming against him all the time. They, he had to leave the, the temple all the time. He's constantly getting kicked out, and, and he's fleeing at night, and, and all these things. And, and one of the things that, that Paul is saying, look, guys, tough times come. Trust the Lord in all circumstances, because behind every trial and temptation, God's purposes are at work. And this is something I hope we see, that behind every trial we face, behind every difficulty we face, God's purposes are at work. And, and I know that when we get to heaven, we're going to recognize how all that comes together. But Paul is saying, look guys, you've seen my example, trust the Lord. Verse 20, how I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public from house to house, testifying, to, testifying both to the Jews and the Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, look, trust the Lord in all circumstances, that God is at work, his purposes are at work in every trial and every temptation. And, and, and one of the things that Paul points to is, look, God has provided the necessary strength that I've needed every time. And do you know that God does that? When you face trials as a believer, God is faithful to provide the strength that you need when you need it. And this is the coolest thing about serving the Lord. And this is why I, I, I don't look at the Lord when tough times come to me and go, God, where are you? When tough times come, I'm like, Lord, I know you're faithful. And, and I've time after time in my life, I've watched the Lord provide the necessary strength every time. And Paul says, look at verse 22, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem. He says, constrained by the Spirit. So he's, he's listening to the Lord. He's burdened. He's like, Lord, uh, the Spirit of God is compelling me. And, and I love this about his life because, because this is how we're to live, that, that we're to be leaning into the Lord, listening to the Spirit of God, constrained by the Spirit. Lord, I'm going to follow you at all costs. And, and he says, I'm constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. I don't know what's going to happen, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Isn't that interesting? That Paul's like, look, the Spirit of God has prepared me that tough times are ahead. Now, now that flies in the face of, our, of a prominent teaching today. Oh, wait, wait, when we're in the middle of God's will, it's going to be great, right? Yes, it's great to be in the middle of God's will. But remember, there are eternal purposes at work in our lives. 
And, and Paul is a model for this. I love what he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 and 18 through 18. He says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Now, isn't that cool? That you and I get to be a part of these eternal things. And so it's important for us to recognize that God is at work in the, in the details of our lives. And, and, and Paul goes on and he says, verse 24, look at this. But I do not account my life of any value or as precious to myself. You know, I, I, and sometimes we put too much emphasis on this world, don't we? Folks, you know that this world is not our home. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that, 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 there's, that, that, that heaven is awaiting for us? You know, there, there's some people in my life that, that I recognize, that I, that I love, that I'm, I'm, I'm reaching out to, that I, that I deeply care about, that, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm working to persuade that this world is, is not all there is. That heaven is a reality. Death is only the door to eternal life. I love this. But he says, look, my life is not precious to me if only that I may finish my course in the ministry that I re receive from the Lord. You know what Paul is saying to these guys? He's looking at them. He's saying, look, trust the Lord in all circumstances. He's also saying to them, stay focused on your race. Don't you know that you have a race to run? We have a race to run as a church. We, have a, we, we are called to, to, to this time in this place for God's eternal purposes. And it's our job, it's our calling to run this race with perseverance. And Paul understood, look, my life is a gift from the Lord and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give it to Him. And this is the call we have as believers that, that we're to stay focused on this race. So this is why, and this is really for me in most of all, I think, because sometimes it's easy to compare ourselves with somebody else. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed it's easy to say, oh, well, so-and-so's better than I am or, or whatever, but, but the, the reality is we've got to stop comparing. You know, you're called to run your race. Stop comparing yourself with, with somebody else. And, and, and this is an idea that I think Paul is modeling for us. He's, he's living with the end in mind. So often we don't live with the end in mind, do we? We think of right now, right here. And the truth is we should live our lives with that reality that one day I will stand before the Lord. I'm amazed at the people that don't live with the end in mind. You know, one of the things that's motivating me to write some things down for my children in my own handwriting is I know that there's going to be a day that I'm not going to be here. That I'm going to be in heaven. And I've told them, look, it's okay. God's faithful on that day. But, but I resonate with this message as Paul is saying, look, um, run your race. And it's my prayer that we live with the end in mind. I look at what Paul did. He, he, he not only 
you know, I think he's modeling for us. He's not comparing, looking sideways. He's going, Lord, I'm going to run my race. What you've marked out for me. He's not looking at Peter and saying, you know, Peter did this or, or, or Apollos, he did this. No, he's like, I'm running this race. And I think we ought to hear that. He, he's living with the end in mind. He, he also modeled for us, don't quit. You know, as we serve the Lord, as we walk with the Lord, as we run this race, we should never, ever, ever quit. Let's not quit. And that's what I love about being a part of a church together. And I love it that so many people have joined our church this year because we're holding one another accountable to be faithful and to never, ever quit serving the Lord. I pray that we can spur one another on, like Hebrews says, towards love and good deeds, that we don't ever quit. That's why Paul could say to Timothy, who was with him in this journey, and he wrote to Timothy in in 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, I fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to those who have loved his appearing. And I love it that Paul is looking at these leaders and says, run your race. Look at how I've run the race. Run your race. Verse 24, look at this. He says, but I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord. What does he say? To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He's like, look, I've testified. You know, what, what is he saying here? How do you testify? How, what, what he's point number three, I think he's saying to the, the church at Ephesus, he says, back up your talk with your walk, right? Testify. Testify is not just what comes out of your mouth, right? And there's a lot of people that will, will say things, but really what, what really speaks is the way they live, Right? And we as a follower of Christ have got to hear Paul as he points to what? His example. That's what Paul's doing. He's like, look at the way I lived. Look at how I testified. It wasn't just the words out of his mouth. It's the way that he lived his life. And folks, i got to tell you, the way we live matters. The way we walk with the Lord matters. The actions from our life matters. It matters. I love this quote by Brennan Manning. He says, this, the greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. Who, those who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, but walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. And folks, we, we've got to be a people that pay attention to the way we live. Our walk has to match our talk And this is why we hold one another accountable. This is why we move from the big room to groups together. Where, where, you know, we're not one of those churches that are going to be okay with you just coming in and and looking at the back of somebody's head. No, we got to be in life together. We've got to hold one another accountable. We've got to know one another. One of the greatest values of our church, Brad articulated this morning, is that we know one another. There are no Lone Ranger Christians in the world. And we're called to be in community and in life together. And it is my prayer that that we pay attention to our example. Paul says, look, I've testified to the gospel of grace. 
And, and I think that's interesting that, that he's like, look, look at how I've lived. Could, could you say that to those that are in your life? Look at how I live. This is what we've got to do. This is how we've got to be as believers. And in Paul's life, this is an urgent moment for him. A moment that he knows, this is, these are the last words I'm going to say to you. Make your walk, back up your talk with your walk. Verse 25, look at this. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Okay, let's feel that for a second. He's looking at these people that he loves. I, I, I think about this. I've thought about this. Like, like Robin and I had this weird conversation last night that she just hated. But, but uh, can I share it? Okay. Um, I usually add a, ask a little more in advance for this. But, um, but um, she gets home from this judging of, Allstate Children's Choir, and she says, you know, what, what, do you, what do you want your funeral to be like? If that happened to you, I don't want to talk about it, but let's, let's talk about this. And so she's like, so we spent about 15 minutes, and then she's like, I'm done. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm glad she doesn't want me to depart. That's great. Um, but, but, you know, that's a, that's a difficult moment. To look at somebody you love and go, let's talk about this moment. What, what, what should we do if that happens? I felt that last night. Unre- I mean, she brought it up, not me. It was unrelated to this sermon. But, the, but I thought about today, if this was the last time I got up to preach to you, if if I knew this is, this is the last time I'm going to get to stand in front of the church that God called me to preach and say, say this to you, this is what I'd say. I'd borrow from Paul right here. And he says, you're, you're not going to see my face again. He knows it. Verse 26, therefore I testify to you this day, look, look, look at this, that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That is huge. He says, I'll tell you what, 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 amazing, what an amazing statement to say, look, I've given it all I had. I did not shrink back from declaring to you the entire, the whole counsel of God. Point four is this, this this message to these leaders. Don't shrink back from, from that watchman responsibility. Now let's think about this. Remember Ezekiel? Ezekiel's a prophet. And, and Ezekiel, in his book, I'm, I'm, I'm in that part of my quiet time right now as I read through the, just my time with the Lord, the one-year Bible. 
And I just read this in Ezekiel 37, where, where Ezekiel says to God's people, you're like a watchman on the wall. And, and what a serious calling to be a watchman. I mean, if you're a watchman, you are, you are on guard, you're alert, you're, you're not sleeping. You are on the wall looking out for enemies as they come to attack. And it's your job as the watchman to sound the alarm that, hey, look, there's danger coming. And it's your job as a watchman to, to act and to move. You know what Paul is saying? Hey, boys, I'm never going to see you again. But make sure you don't shrink back from being a faithful watchman. And and I got to tell you something. As a church, as, as Christians called by God in this city, in this place, at this time. we got to be faithful watchmen. You know, there's, a, there's Isaiah 56. I want you to see this verse real quick. Because he articulates uh, what unfaithful watchmen look, look like. Israel's watchmen, verse, verse, Isaiah 56, 10 through 12, Israel's watchmen are blind. They all lack knowledge. They are, they are all mute dogs. They cannot bark. They lie around and dream. They love to sleep. They are dogs with mighty appetites. They, they never have enough. They are shepherds who lack understanding. They all turn to their own way. They seek their own gain. Come, each one cries, let me get wine. Let us drink our fill of beer, for tomorrow will be like today or even far better. You know, God's people have been warned all through history, be faithful watchmen. And can I just stand in front of you and let's hear from Paul here in these last words and remind ourselves, we've got to be faithful watchmen. You know, it's why the 2018 challenge is so important for us. What's that challenge? Is to share the gospel with as many people as our age. And, and look, in 2018, it's been our, our prayer, our call. Let's share the gospel with people that are in our lives. I mean, there are people that we know, that we love, that we care about, that we see, our neighbors. I mean, I mean you know, the, one of the greatest ways to evangelize the world is be a neighbor, right? And, and I pray that we're faithful watchmen. We don't, we don't ignore that watchman responsibility. Do you remember the name Martin Skrell, I believe is his name? Martin Skrell. Remember that guy? He was the CEO of that drug company that overnight raised the price of his drug from $13.50 a pill to $750 a pill. Because he knew there, there's no other, there's no generic version of this drug so we can make a profit. And, and this was a drug, I, I, I looked it up, it was uh, an anti-malaria drug and uh, it was an anti-parasitic drug and it was treating AIDS patients. And overnight, he increased the price of that drug from $13.50 to seven, over 
And man, he took a beating for that. He's like, hey, look, I want to make a profit. Supply and demand. I've got all the supply so I can make money for my investors. And, and you know, the end of his story, he ends up just, just being vilified. He ends up going to jail because he was crooked. And we all look at that and go, yeah, he deserved it. How, how dare he do that? I mean, I thought that. How dare that guy do that? And you know, when I think about who we are, that that's a drug that helps somebody in this life. And that guy was wrong to do that. But folks, let me tell you something. We know Jesus. We understand the gospel, the, the one thing that transcends not just this life, but the life to come. Oh, we must not be silent about that. Why do we keep that to ourselves? Why do we, we look to ourselves and live for ourselves? This is why we, we, we are moved to, to a day like New Member Sunday where we do a breakfast for people that have joined our church. And, and, and you know, this is why we celebrate the fact that uh, this, this, this young lady that I met Wednesday night at Calvary who walked in the door, we led her to Christ. She's being discipled right now. And, and you know, we, we do things like the mission as we, we help people and we, this is why we are, are, are having our Family Matters meeting tonight, looking at not just a budget as a, as a oh, well, we got to have a budget. No, this is how we're going to accomplish ministry together to reach this place for Jesus. We cannot be silent about our salvation. This is why we've got to be persuasive like Paul. And I look at Paul and think how, how cool it is that we get to have these last words. It's why following Jesus must not be mildly important for any one of us. Oh, is following Jesus mildly important to you? Oh, we've got to get that right as believers. We've got to have a sense of urgency. We've got to see the lostness of our world and act and move, and serve, and reach, and speak up. And this is why we as a church have to come together and serve and say, Lord, we're going to never shrink back from following you. We're going to have an invitation. And this is a message for believers if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, oh man, I gotta tell you, you need Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take. I know they're tough times. It's tough, I'm sad today. It's gonna be sad at one o'clock because I'm gonna miss Maybell. I'm gonna miss that, that four foot seven giant of the faith. But I'll tell you what, no matter what comes our way, we will not shrink 